recording? All right. Hey, welcome Hello. to the first Reviews to Astonish podcast featuring Brad and... Who's... <laughs> Who is here? All right, read I'm here. I'm here. All right, cut. Try it again. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first Reviews to Astonish podcast. I am Brad. I'm here with... Bob. Matt. Sam. And Keith. All right, that was very robotic. Thanks, yeah, guys. Thanks go. for coming out to the podcast. Um, We're trying to win over the sci-fi people. The sci-fi people. How does that? Because they're robots, right. man. <laughs> um, this is our first Rude. podcast, episode one, the pilot. What reviews to Sonic is essentially? We're a group of comic and comic movie and game show fans. Uh, we're going to do a lot of reviews on our website, reviews to astonish.com, um, mostly of game shows. We're going to talk about how uh, Drew Carey's doing hosting uh, Wheel of Fortune. Poorly. Looks sick. I yeah. didn't even know he Anyways, was doing that. But that's, that's not what we're doing. We're reviewing comic books, and uh, we'll have, we have a lot of blog posts we do about shows and movies and games, comics we're reading, all sorts of stuff. But the main focus is the reviews, and what our reviews are, they're kind of I think they're different than like what most people do is that like they kind of break down the, the comic in full and write like a bunch of paragraphs, like a long thing. And it's a lot to read. Um, and I don't like reading all that often unless it has pictures of muscly men punching each other. So our reviews are just going to be like bite sized, like maybe like a paragraph at most. We're going to break down like things we liked and disliked about the comic. We're going to tell you pretty much whether or not it's worth reading or worth picking up. Um, they're fun sized reviews. Oh, yes, they are. They're fun sized, bite sized. So yeah, that's what we're doing. Uh, reviews, blog, this podcast. That's Reviews to Astonish. And, you know, we're also, with the blog posts, they're going to be, at least so far, they're kind of more editorial and they're longer in length because it's, you know, it's kind of our soapbox to talk about nerdy things that we have opinions on. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we already have posts about like how much we dislike Batman versus Superman. I loved um, it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I read your post. You're lying. I am. Um, <laughs> we talked about the walking dead season finale that aired last night which none of us watch except for chris yeah well we didn't but chris did chris will be joining us later on in the podcast uh he'll have a big entrance it'll be great but yeah we should probably introduce ourselves i'm brad uh i mostly do a lot of the editing and uh design of the website for now i'm a comic book fan and a video game fan and a movie fan of the thing what kind of comics brad I like Marvel. Thanks for asking, Bob. I'm glad you asked. I like Marvel and independent stuff. If I had to recommend like one series to someone out there, it'd be Invincible by uh, The Walking Dead's Robert Kirkman. It's a good series. It's superheroes and it's good stuff. What about you, Bob? What do you What do you do? Uh, I'm more of a DC Comics person myself. Uh, oh. Along with, I'm a big fan of the publisher IDW, who does mostly franchise comics. Um, their big thing for me right now is they publish the ongoing Ghostbusters series, which is oh, yeah. really, really good. Um, and I'm also big into film. Uh, so I really like to analyze superhero films and just the genre as a whole. And I'm not, I try not to be a snobby film critic guy, but I just expect, you know, I just want to be entertained. And that's yeah. kind of what all this is, really. Yeah, for sure. This is all about entertainment. Matt, what do you like? Tell me about you. Uh, we haven't talked in a while. I like, I, I like Marvel, but I also read, like, I'll read some image stuff every now and then, too. Like, I really like Black Science and Manhattan Projects. 
I really liked American Vampire also, but that's kind of like on hiatus right now. Oh yeah. But um, Marvel side, I guess like probably my like titles I've been following the longest would be like Amazing Spider-Man, which is like my fate, like the book I've been reading like throughout. And then I like to keep up with Daredevil. I've been reading a lot of like the older X-Men stuff. I have, I'm not like too up to date on like the stuff coming out right now, but oh yeah, I'm intrigued to see what's going on with that too. So I try to be like, try to read a little everything, not too much DC, but uh, I, I try to read some stuff from like Fantagraphics too. Like I really like Dan Klaus and like Jaime Hernandez and like Charles Burns and people like that. So I try and read some of that stuff every now and then too. Yeah, definitely. Um, but other than that, I mean, I do like graphic design stuff too. So the graphics for the site are still like, forthcoming but uh I, try, I like to do that kind of stuff and like do little like animations inspired by like, pop culture and stuff too so yeah i have some of your um <clears throat> some of your stickers you made based on the shining carpet uh i'm throwing them up and down in my lap as we speak <laughs> i'm doing this uh, <laughs> alphabet thing right now too with letter being like inspired by a marvel character so i have to do one today today's h so i'm gonna do hulk but i haven't done it yet oh that's cool you guys send me that yeah i will i definitely will when it's done Awesome. Sam, what about you? What do you do? Who are you? Who am I? That's the real question. Um, <laughs> <a> lady. <laughs> thanks, Bob. Um, yeah, I am new to the comics thing. I haven't really been reading for very long, but um, thanks to these guys, I have been. So I basically read mostly Marvel comics, but I've gotten into Batgirl because of Babstar's art because she's the best. Um, and then I really like uh, a lot of the image comics and then I'm like into the old Archie stuff, but that's really it right now. I'm looking to add a lot more cool. stuff into it. I want to add a lot more Star Wars comics. There's a new Poe Dameron one out that I want to do, uh, read more of. And yeah. then, oh, it's gone. Uh, but yeah, but then I'm more of the, uh, I know a lot about things that don't matter to other people. Like, <laughs> you know, that's all of us. You know what about life? Oh. I love a lot about um, like casting notices and things uh, for different movies, and I liked I love superheroes probably the most for movies and everything, and I follow a lot of that stuff a little too heavily. So cool. Um, right, Keith, what do you do and what do you like? Uh, yeah, I'm Keith. I probably read the least amount of comics uh, out of all this group, not by choice. <laughs> Uh, I live on an island where they don't believe in comic book stores, so uh, currently I have Brad buying my comics, and uh, when I go to the States, I pick them all up and hand him a large sum of money via PayPal. And uh, So no handing at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I try to read them, and I fail every time. Uh, so they're just, they're just sitting in a, in a stack somewhere at home. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, otherwise, uh, I am mostly here to make sure the audio sounds like audio, so that the people at home can actually hear things. Uh, These is... are our guy keeping us afloat. Yeah, I'm like floaties. You're uh, our Scotty. Because he works on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't work on a boat. Morgan does. Morgan, Morgan works, works on a boat. boat. Someone works on a boat somewhere. Yes. Yeah. What I was gonna say about uh Sam, and I guess this also applies to Keith, is you guys have a really cool uh outside perspective of comics so you can make counterpoints on like blog posts or like reviews that we make uh pretty much saying like well i think what about this and like you can question us and we'll yeah. it'll be really cool to we'll be able to explain it to someone who doesn't really read comics super regularly or doesn't know like the inner workings and everything like that so 
you'll say something and I'll be like, no, you're wrong. I haven't read it, but I know you're wrong. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what we want. It's especially important to get that outside perspective just because I, speaking for Brad and myself and Matt to an extent, you know, the comic book fandom can become very insulated and mm -hmm. we'll start talking about things that, you know, we know very well from the comics, you know, like if I make a mention to, oh, you know, Daredevil's costume in the show kind of looks like was the Shadowland costume. You know? Oh, yeah. No mm -hmm. one else outside of like, you know, not everyone's going to know what that means. They have this mm -hmm. outside perspective where it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm the general audience who hasn't read every single back issue or hasn't been following it online. So it's, it's nice to have that sort of range of uh, familiarity. Speaking of Daredevil. They came out recently, and Civil War comes out soon, and we are all huge fans of uh, Marvel Comics and movies and the shows and everything. Pretty sure we've probably all seen all of, if not most, of the movies that have come out. So uh, we actually want to do a portion where we talk about what we want to see in the upcoming Marvel and DC movies. Batman v Superman came out, and it seemed like it alluded to a lot. Uh, Marvel, especially recently, like all their movies have kind of alluded to more happening, which doesn't necessarily make for a good standalone movie but regardless we're going to talk about some things we want to see um uh matt uh what are you looking forward to in upcoming upcoming movies what do you want to see um i'm i'm pretty excited to see what dr strange is going to turn out to be because i don't really know too much about the comics for him but just like the stills that have been released and stuff looks like it's going to be pretty exciting yeah and definitely a, a different shift Kind of like how Thor kind of has the mythology side of the Marvel Universe. I feel like Doctor Strange is going to have this cool, like, magical element to it, which, like, we haven't really seen in theaters much yet. And going back to the Civil War, I guess, I'm really excited to see what they do with uh, Black Panther. I feel like he's going to be really cool. And he's going to be, like, the guy that might, like, steal the show. But yeah, I'm all on board Black Panther. Like, everyone's really excited for Spider-Man, and Spider-Man's cool. Like, don't get me wrong, yeah. but... Black Panther is super, super interesting, and I don't think anyone really knows about who like Black Panther is. Like people outside of comics, it'll be really cool to see him like come to the forefront of things. I feel like Black Panther is getting kind of the short end of the stick now, whereas before Spider Man was officially announced, it seemed like Marvel was really gearing towards, oh, you know, this is we're going to introduce Black Panther, and he's this really cool character. He's he's basically like the guardian of this entire country. He doesn't just governor city you know he's this really cool character and then oh wait we got spider-man <laughs> well i mean so that sort of uh so that end i guess like the uh actor playing black panther is i think he was contracted for like five movies yeah five, i think five after this one after civil war so he's gonna be like a big deal like in the marvel universe which is pretty cool because he's in, in like what's up in the most recent spot that we just watched earlier today uh the tv spot they have uh, a moment where black panther is like actually going up against cap and i think cap because it's look on his face of like shit. This yeah, guy yeah. actually can like hurt me because he's yeah. Got he's the... like pulling the shield down, like he's showing yeah, that he's yeah. like as strong, if not stronger, than Captain America, which is mm -hmm. so. I think the awesome. closer we get, the more I think they're gonna play that up more. I think they're actually trying to downplay him, kind of like when the Avengers came out. They kind of downplayed the Hulk, and then he totally just like ran away with it. Like he was like by far like most people's like favorite part because like he smashed Loki and he was just the hulk and it was awesome uh, mm -hmm. i think that'll be uh, like black panther's role in this he'll be do some things that like are surprising to people and it'll be really, really they're, cool downplaying, they're downplaying one of my favorite characters and i mean downplaying even more so than black panther is that a pun 
if you know what you're going to say. But yeah, they're kind of not showing too much of Ant-Man, which I, you know, I can kind of see making sense. I mean, Ant-Man was kind of a surprise to people because everyone's like, oh, Edgar Wright left. This movie's going to be a train wreck. Mm -hmm. I was included in that camp thinking, oh, Edgar Wright's one of my favorite filmmakers. If he left, this movie's going to be garbage. And I remember being really, really surprised at how it wasn't and how great Paul Rudd was as Scott Lang. And it's now, I would put Ant-Man as one of my favorite Marvel movies. I really enjoyed it. It was good. But yeah, I feel like they are uh, minimizing Ant-Man's role (laughs) in Civil (laughs) War. And I feel like the the one piece of footage we've really seen of Mm Ant-Man to me, shouldn't have been shown. Yeah, definitely. Like definitely. It, him riding on the arrow. That's yeah. kind of one of my one of my problems with the way Marvel markets their movies, and it's just I really do agree with kind of the internet sentiment that they do show maybe too much in their trailers. I mean, mm-hmm. especially with if you look back at Age of Ultron, we basically saw the Hulk, the entire Hulkbuster fight in yeah. preview for the movie, and I remember coming out of the theater thinking it was it was all right, but imagining if I had gone into that movie not knowing any of that scene was going to take place, mm-hmm. I would have been, you know, it would have been so much more exciting. Oh, man, yeah. And now seeing, oh, I know that they're going to do the thing where Ant-Man rides on one of Hawkeye's arrows. It's like, that's cool, and I'm glad it's in there, but also kind of would have liked to have been surprised by that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's still going to be a, still gonna be a really fun uh, movie. I think there's going to be a lot of things that we didn't see coming, as well as some things we did see coming in terms of, like, the people that have read the comic and the comic that follows it that knows like what's going to happen afterward are, we, are you going to say it are you going to say it i think so yeah there might be spoilers but also like the movie's not out so i don't fucking know but so it can't um, be spoilers because we don't know spoilers on yeah, the comic exactly. but uh, if you don't even want like any idea like we'll put like a little timestamp or something in to feel free to skip ahead but uh sam what you were talking about earlier you were talking about uh like, people were discussing people dying in the movie the the comic series that followed Civil War. It was called the Death of Captain America. No, I know he dies. Okay. I but, just I don't think that the like if you have to look at it too like based off of like their money making like the actual business side of the whole Marvel universe. They I think out of anyone, if they were going to actually kill off one of their major superheroes, uh, it had to be Robert Downey Jr. It wouldn't make really much sense to do anybody else. I and then I feel like it has to be. There's no way that they're going to get rid of Christian. But Chris Evans has openly spoke about how he wants to transition to directing and do other projects. But and his last directorial debut did not do what well, he wanted. True, but and while I'm going to make another point that totally agrees with you with it being Robert Downey Jr., I do think that Marvel has also very well established two characters that could take over for Cap. Both mm-hmm. Sam Wilson and <clears throat> Bucky could both put. I mean, there have been visual hints in the movies of either one of those characters being Captain America, which, I mean, I would be all for a Sam Wilson cap in a movie. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. But to counterpoint that, going off what we said earlier, if Robert Downey Jr. does die, leave, whatever, they're setting. I think they're setting up for Doctor Strange to take over sort of the sarcastic role that Robert Downey Jr. plays. Because, I mean, that's Doctor Strange's character is sort that's, of... Especially smart. now. Yeah. With the uh, Jason Aaron, Doctor Strange, which is awesome comic. You should definitely read it if you haven't. But yeah, he's definitely more uh, like spunky than he used to be. I guess he used to kind of be just like the sage old wizard. Like, I mean, he was kind yeah. of over the top, goofy, like wizard. Yeah, like you said, 
like very melodramatic and old school, like mystical and fantasy. And I feel like, especially with them casting Benedict Cumberbatch, who has such a giant following, you know, they want a face that can be there and be this, you know, sort of smart ass character. And I feel like they could be positioning him to take over that spot in the roster. But, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess um, the two, so going back to who we think is going to die and then things that I want to see, um, I've learned, I've been reading more and more about Agent 13 and how uh, Sharon Carter is going to come into Team Cap side a lot more, which I think will be very interesting because I have no expectations of her character at all, other than the fact that I know that she's Peggy's daughter, which, uh, or granddaughter probably, if I had to guess, probably granddaughter, if I had to guess. Uh, I just am not sure how she's going to play into everything. We just saw her pop Funko at Hot Topic the other day. Um, uh, and she has like, she has like billy clubs, kind of like, um, Mockingbird like Mockingbird. Um, and she also sort of, yeah. So I'm not sure where they're going to go with her, why they're including her in the lineup of Cap's team and all that, since she seems to be kind of a minor character, but I know she plays a bigger role in other stuff. And then so I'm interested to see how she works into everything. And then in just Carter general stuff, I'm interested to see uh, what happens when her inevitable death, because it's probably going to happen in this movie. Not really a spoiler since it's been all over Tumblr for months, but uh, like the whole casket thing with the British flag on top of it, you got to assume that that's probably going to happen. And then how that's going to play into Cap's reaction to everything. And that's what I want to see more of. Yeah, his like more like his movement into like, his modern world and more of the character development with that. Cause we saw a little bit of it in age of Ultron with his like traumatic scene, uh, where he goes back and like Peggy almost like hands him the shield and all that oh, stuff. Oh yeah. Like, when he's like mind controlled or whatever. Yeah. So I feel like that relationship is so important. Huh? Did you not see winter soldier? Yeah, I know. I, I know she has Alzheimer's. No, but it, like talking about Cap moving into the more modern world and dealing. No, with I know, but I think that I think that Peggy dying is going to be that tipping point, which leads to like a lot of what happens in Civil War. I think that that's going to be something I'm really looking. For. As much as I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna cry, but <laughs> I am excited to see like how that plays out, and then to see like how Sharon comes into things being a Carter and how that works. You know what's, what's interesting about that is I identify with Captain America because I too have an English girlfriend. I just wanted to throw that in there. It's really not related. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> Anyways. I just want to um, let everyone know that I'm taken. <laughs> great. Great. I'm so glad to know that. Um, <laughs> what I want to see like in the movies is uh, we saw it a lot in Guardians of the Galaxy. And this will sort of tie in with uh, what I think is going to happen with Infinity War, like the first part. I want to see more space stuff. Like we saw like a lot of space mm-hmm. in Guardians of the Galaxy. We saw Nowhere, which is cool. And pretty much everything that was coming out in Guardians led me to believe that they were going to have my one of my fucking favorite characters, Richard Ryder, Nova <laughs> Prime, in the, in the movie. And they didn't. Like they had artwork for him. Like they went to Nowhere, which is like a big part of him. Did they have the Nova Corps in the movie too? Yeah, the Nova Corps was in it, but they didn't have Richard. I, they had like the character that deputized him. Okay. So, so I want to see more of him. Like they used a lot of like the 2007 Nova series, which is really really good. They used a lot of like imagery from it. Like they used Cosmo, the Russian space dog, but he wasn't Russian in the movie. I don't think he even talked. But he didn't. But what I think he's gonna was it the power crystal, the power stone. Was, yeah, I think 
Uh, the Nova Corps has that. I just want to see Thanos going and just like destroying the place, just like ripping it down, busting Nova's he heads open. Like he has to, because Thanos has done nothing for like four movies. Yeah, yeah. He's just gonna wreck them all. Like they're gonna fly at him. He's gonna like, swap them away like flies. And I think I, what's gonna happen is gonna be similar to uh, the AVX series in the beginning when like uh, Sam Wilson or Sam Alexander Nova flew from like the planet to warn Earth about like the incoming Phoenix Force. I mean, that's going to be similar to what's going to happen in Infinity War. There's going to be, like, a Nova is going to have to escape. Like, yes, I found you because I found Infinity Gems, and you have some. Something's fucking coming. Be no, prepared. it's going to be the Guardians, dude. It's not. I, I guarantee you it won't be Nova. They'll have the Guardians of the Galaxy come back to Earth to try and warn all the Marvel heroes what's going to happen. Yeah. Because they've really already bad. established that. They got to, and I think you're right though. They need to show Thanos just wrecking shop. Rain, yeah. I mean, he has to because he's literally just like, sat in a chair and like angrily yelled at people. Been insulted by like <laughs> by Karen Gillian. Karen Gillian, yeah. Just, but he's done nothing. He, he he's thanks, Dad. I mean, he's basically <laughs> like, he's like a less intimidating version of the Emperor from Star Wars. Where yeah, he's, I guess so. And even then, like, we knew the Emperor was in charge of what was going on, so, like, we saw them destroy a planet. We haven't even th seen Thanos indirectly do anything that crazy, other than, like, sending Nova out, or Nova, sending Nebula out. So he has to have yeah. that moment where he's like, oh, this guy can destroy an entire planet. He's real bad. Especially after the end of uh, Age of Ultron, when he just grabs the Infinity Gauntlet, and he's like, I'll do it myself. Like, he's mm -hmm. gonna, he has to do something cool, like, kill everyone. That's how all the movies are just going to end. Everyone's going to be dead. Yeah, the end of everything. It's just, credits are going to roll. So this is the end of Marvel Comics. Just like life. Everyone yeah. dies. Yeah, exactly. Bob, what do you want to see in like upcoming movies? Uh, is there any like characters, like events you think, or comic series that would be really cool to see? I mean, a lot of this, I mean, to be honest, because you know I'm more DC than Marvel. Yeah, and I, a lot of stuff that I like, and I know, and this isn't even technically Marvel, this is the Fox Studios, but I know they're talking about how the next Wolverine might be heavily influenced by Old Man Logan, which would be pretty intense. I feel like that'd be weird just because there's so many, like, a lot of, like, the core of it, it revolves around a lot of, like, non-Fox properties. Like, True. Red Skull I mean, being in it. Same thing with uh, Civil War, though. A lot of Civil War was, with the exception of now Spider-Man, there was a lot of stuff in there that was non-Marvel mm. in terms of movie rights. Yeah, that's true. I, I just think it'd be, I feel like it wouldn't be in the spirit of the the comic which i guess they don't really care about they just want to make money off the name um, well you've seen batman versus oh wait no you haven't seen <laughs> i've heard about it i've heard of that that little thing that can we'll get to out. that later I, I just think it'd be a little lacking if they didn't have the red skull in it because he plays such an awesome part like the part where I, if you haven't read old man logan like the red skull is like one of the main antagonists I, along with the hulk is also like the main antagonist but like the imagery with the red skull when like Logan goes to confront him is so good and so like terrifying. Like I had to I had to breathe for a minute because it was just so creepy and uh, it was awesome. But if they don't have that, I feel like that would be lacking. Yeah, I mean it's definitely going to be tough just because there's so many great moments in Old Man Logan that require. I mean they would basically require Marvel to let them use tons and tons of their characters, which yeah isn't going to happen. It's, I mean it's, it just it won't happen which is dumb. because His sidekick is Hawkeye. I mean, his sidekick is Hawkeye, and then there's the great, one of my favorite scenes is when he escapes in the Iron Man arm. Yeah. Which can't happen. And, you know, it's just, I'm interested to see how they play that out. Yeah. Because it is really tricky. I mean, and you, you can take 
a great comic like that, try to adapt it into a movie by taking bits and pieces, and then you literally get Batman and the Superman. <laughs> I honestly want less Wolverine. Yeah, I'm not. I've never been a huge X Men fan, so like I can't really like comment on well, too much X Men stuff. Every X Men movie has basically been a Wolverine film up until yeah. First Class. Yeah, and then the first movie after First Class, what did they do? Well, let's let's shoehorn Wolverine into this movie really, really terribly for no reason at all. And just make because him the main character. Like I, I know I'm. I was alone on this when I saw it in a theater with Sam and Chris, who's coming on later. I hated Days of Future Past. Really? Yeah, I saw it with I saw it with Matt. I didn't like it as much. Like I know he liked it, and the person we went with liked it. And I liked First Class a lot. Yeah, I I really liked First Class. It was like the first X Men movie since probably like X Two that I like enjoyed. Apocalypse is going to I feel like redeem yeah. a lot because for me personally, because they're actually including Archangel, but I don't know because I, I didn't see Wolverine in the promos at all. And it's actually like everybody else. A lot of the trailers look pretty good so far. Like Psylocke looks like she's gonna be really cool, and like I don't know, that one looks like it has some potential. I don't know if it's gonna like 100% deliver, but I think I'll like. It looks like it would at least be like pretty decent. One of the things that uh, people are kind of looking at in the movie is that it takes place in the past, and we already saw the future. Like, does it have any impacts like overall? Like, well, do the just... events matter? Well, to me, it just it, it insults me a little bit as an audience member when, especially how Days of Future Past ended, which they marketed that movie in the online fan communities and everything. They're like, this movie's going to make up for X3, and it's going to fix all that. And I'm like, okay, I want it. That's interesting. I want to see how they do that. But that's not what that movie did. That movie was its own self-contained story, and then the last two minutes were, by the way, the next movie is going to explain how Cyclops is alive and Jean's alive and everything that happened in X3 didn't fucking matter because yeah. of the next movie. It's like I just sat through a movie that didn't deliver on what it promised and it instead gave me this weird sort of pseudo-political thing that just didn't know what it wanted to be. And it's like, oh, Jennifer Lawrence is huge now, so we need Mystique to do everything in this movie. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's uh, They are leaning on like the Mystique. And it's only because now. of Jennifer Lawrence. It's it's not because the characters, you know, working organically into the story. It felt really inorganic. Like in the first movie, I liked that Mystique was essentially just a normal person who could shapeshift. Like she didn't control her powers that well and she was really unsure of herself. And then the next movie, she's like a secret agent who sneaks onto military bases and is like this super spy. Just because the story needed her to do that. Yeah, I think I don't I don't know if I'm really looking forward to any X Men movies. I just kind of hope that uh, Fox gives back Fantastic Four to Marvel, because that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> like the last one? I mean, there were a few things that are probably... Hold on, here's a real question, and this is for everyone in the group. Has anyone actually seen Fantastic Four? I didn't. I was somewhat optimistic about it when it was being previewed. I was like, kind of like thought it could be interesting but then when i saw the reviews i was like no i'm gonna stay away <laughs> are we talking about the new one yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. oh yeah no not like the 2007 one i watched that one <laughs> yeah i watched that one a couple yeah, times I, was gonna say, I saw the first one in theaters when i was like however old and it was pretty cool i think that speaks huge volumes that no one in this group saw that movie not yeah. even out of a curiosity yeah. i wouldn't no. even see it anyway because the fantastic four to me are kind of whoa 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 they're there Marvel's are, family. There are some. Uh... No, I know. I appreciate them. <laughs> I like. I like in the Civil War comic, Sue's and Richards like dynamic. 
dynamic and like their uh, importance in it. But I don't, I just, they're too, I don't know. I just don't have any interest in them. And I definitely don't have interest in any of the movies because I feel like they work better. For me, they work better with other Marvel characters. I don't like them as a standalone movie. Yeah, that's exactly why I want them to be in the Marvel universe because like yeah. uh, Reed Richards is a member of like the Illuminati who mm. has uh, Doctor Strange, uh, Iron Man, Professor Xavier, uh, Black Panther. And they, they're the ones who fucking send the Hulk into space. And like that's... There's like a three lines off that, and it's really awesome. Like, so they when they are involved with like the overall sort of like inner workings and themes and stuff, it, it gets really interesting. But yeah, I agree. Like, standalone Fantastic Four things have never really interested me. But like, like I said, them involved with things is really cool. They don't. They don't. It doesn't. The story doesn't hold up in 2016. Like back in the day, they were super cool and all that stuff. But like now, with all the other superpowers and all the other stuff that we have, I feel like it's just another origin story every time you do the movie. Yeah, I can see that. You could definitely make it. I mean, you can make any superhero interesting because you could make that argument about Captain America. Captain America is a super soldier from World War II, mm-hmm. but good writing has kept him relevant. You can mm-hmm. totally make the Fantastic Four relevant and make a good story. Yeah. The problem is the last movie was, it, it literally was, we have the guy who directed Chronicle. We want to do a Chronicle, a movie in the same tone as like Chronicle, but with established superheroes. Well, who do we have? We have the Fantastic Four. Let's do that. And then it just spiraled out of control. And if, I don't know if you guys read about the trouble they had on production, but yeah. basically the night before they were going to shoot principal photography, Fox called in Josh Trank, the director, and said, we've cut the two biggest action sequences from your movie and we're cutting your budget. You have to go make this movie now. And <laughs> not, not to defend his behavior at all, because if you get into that, he, you know, what may or may not have happened you know, I can't say for sure, but he was also, you know, only a second time director, really, given this huge franchise. Yeah. Like, yeah. everything was stacked against that movie, and everything was in its favor to fail. And as soon as those negative reviews came out, it was like, see, we knew it. They hired this guy who hadn't done any mm. other movies, and it's shit. It's garbage. Because fans nowadays are so vitriolic. You know, they're like sharks. One of them smells blood, and it becomes just this feeding frenzy of anger and just insecurities and neuroses pouring out onto the internet and what what they don't realize is that like this happens all the time where they bring a young director who has done something really awesome and like throw him into a huge franchise and it's a completely different world in the directing in the directing world and people don't realize like that's it's not i mean say what you want about uh trank but like with anyone it's chicken in the background yeah (laughs) there are roosters on the island okay Can't do anything can we about never, it. ever, hold on, I want to establish this precedent right now. Never name the island that you're on. Can we just say the <laughs> island? Yeah, <laughs> I am on just the island. The island. Uh, anyway, yeah, so it's a whole, it's a whole different world that they have. <laughs> fucking rooster. <laughs> it's hell. It's hell to work through, and I'm sure, Frank, whatever he had to go through, is just. He wasn't ready. No, was... he was not, and people don't get that and the thing is there's examples of other movies where that was done where it sort of worked like uh, the last godzilla movie gareth edwards had directed a ten thousand dollar movie he made himself monsters yeah he he when bob was gonna mention godzilla like how soon <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was gonna come early um you mentioned ghostbusters in the first like two minutes <laughs> of course i did i have to and then you have colin trevermore i don't know how to pronounce his last name who did safety not guaranteed then he got jurassic world with mixed results i think 
and yeah. Rian Johnson, who did something really small, and then he did Looper, and now he's doing episode eight. Yeah. But like Keith was saying, to go from a very small, somewhat independent to straight-up independent production, and then suddenly you're within the studio system, that's such a shock, and it's such a different world, because suddenly you're not just in control. You're a director who's being controlled by other people, and it becomes mm. just a game of politics. And I think from everything that I read, Trank did not want to be a part of that. And if you're not going to play ball, they're going to make sure that you're on the outs. And that's why you haven't heard his name since yeah. that movie came out. He was supposed to direct a Star Wars movie, and he got booted. Like, yeah, that's right. He sort of blacklisted himself because at the end of the day, it's a business and there's a lot of political BS. And that's why you can't do that where you give a young, untested filmmaker a giant franchise and hope they can deliver. It shouldn't work that way. It's a broken system. Speaking of uh, young directors, I'm not saying like he's unprepared or anything like that, but uh, Ryan Coogler, who did uh, Creed recently, is going to be doing Black Panther. I haven't seen Creed, but I, I've heard nothing but good things for it. See it, see it, see it, see it. I'm sure that Black Panther, like with him directing it, will be a pretty awesome flick and it'll be pretty down to earth too. Yeah, I mean, Creed will tell you everything you need to know about his directing style and what he does in a movie. And just in lesser hands, Creed would have been just a crappy, rocky sort of retread. But there's a reason people love that movie. And I suggest everyone go see that movie just because it's great. Cool. I think he'll bring a bigger audience to Black Panther too, because I know that even my dad just finding out that the guy who did Creed is also doing Black Panther made him want to see Black Panther more. Just I think it's going to be a bigger, it's going to it's going to bring more people to it having a director like that. Uh, when you're talking about your dad, that reminded me of um, when Bob told me or Bob sent me the article about um, his name Jimmy Olsen being killed in Batman versus Superman. My dad knows nothing about like. Com- comics or comic movies or anything like that um he just watches them like whenever i have them on but uh when i i read the article in the phone or on the in the car with my dad and so i told him he's like they killed jimmy olsen even i know jimmy olsen you don't kill jimmy olsen he got like really angry about it like whoa dad i didn't know you cared so much about jimmy olsen jimmy olsen to me is this great little microcosm of everything that is wrong with Zack Snyder's approach to making these movies. And it is literally just a perfect example of why he should not be doing Justice League or any other DC Comics film. <laughs> and that's because if, if you're not aware of what we're talking about, at the beginning of Batman versus Superman, Lois Lane is in the desert with these sort of terrorist paramilitary group. And then it turns out the guys that have led her to this group are with the CIA and they were undercover as her like reporting team. I did air quotes, which you can't see. Um, <laughs> but one of the guys comes out. He's like, we're CIA. I'm CIA. Lois Lane doesn't know what's going on. Don't kill me. What? Who's Jimmy Olsen? Uh, Jimmy Olsen is a very important figure in the Superman comics. He's another reporter who works at the Daily Planet. So the guy who's in Batman vs. Superman for literally a minute and get shot in the face. Zack Snyder comes out after the film is released and says, by the way, everybody, that was Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen literally had his own comic book series. He's one of the three huge characters in the Superman comics. I mean, he's, he is to Superman sort of like, almost in a way like Alfred to Batman. He's that important within the Superman comics. Like Rick Jones, the Bruce Banner. Well, and, and the thing is, Snyder came out and commented and said, well, we didn't have room for Jimmy Olsen in our movie universe. So I thought this was a fun thing to do with the character. <laughs> and that, that, like, it just, it's such a 
it's such a sad thing when that 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 happened because it just goes to show how much DC right now doesn't really know how to keep continuity with its universe. Like, what if um what if somebody what if a different director of a different movie wanted to use him? Like, yeah, I was gone. I'm sure that, I'm sure that, that wasn't him. That wasn't Jimmy Olsen. This is the real Jimmy Olsen. Never mind that guy. That's just another guy named Jimmy Olsen. That's just some some crazy guy said on the internet. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. That's a pretty big actor too. I'm pretty sure I've seen him in a lot of different things. And I it was weird that he just they just yeah wasn't it Robert Downey Jr. It's Zack Snyder off enough. It was just it, to me DC Comics movies and which is you know extension Warner Brothers they have this movie problem where they don't trust their characters. They have to for some reason in every movie make the characters different somehow. Yeah, mm-hmm. like nipples. Like, like nipples. Batman doesn't have nipples in the comics. If we give him nipples, people will like that. <laughs> he doesn't have <laughs> nipples. He doesn't got no but, nipples. But no, really, though, like, if you look at Chris <laughs> Nolan's Batman movies, Batman had to be super realistic. You know, yeah. you can't have comic book Batman. That's silly. You can't have Joker be a guy who fell into acid. He's got to be some weirdo with face paint. Like, DC doesn't have faith in their own characters the way that Marvel does. Like, this week, Marvel released pictures from Doctor Strange, and it's Benedict Cumberbatch in the middle of New York City wearing this goofy fucking robe, looking exactly like the character does. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. That's awesome that Marvel has faith in their characters. DC apparently does not, and Warner Brothers does not, because we have to get an angsty emo Superman and crazy sociopathic xenophobic batman yeah i do kind of see like what christopher nolan was doing though only in the sense that like at that point that was when like the post 9-11 world was happening really so they wanted it to be this like real world problems and like even like dark knight rises with like bane like blowing up the football stadium and stuff like they're trying to like incorporate this like terrorism element into the movies i guess to make it like resonate with people and i don't know if that was like entirely successful but i guess we kind of like see where they were going with that and trying to make it like very like contemporary issues but what, what matt matt i like what you just said though and it also to counterpoint that that's also the problem batman is inherently grim and gritty the mm-hmm. problem is because chris nolan's movies did so well suddenly warner brothers is like everyone has to be dark and gritty yeah, yeah. it yeah. doesn't work for superman superman spends both of these movies not sure if he should be a hero or not. Yeah. That's fucked up. Like, <laughs> Superman Superman is like one of the staunchest, most optimistic characters in all of comics, not just DC. Like Chris Dixon. <laughs> he is like Chris Dixon. And to have two movies where he's literally having an existential crisis about yeah. being a superhero, it's insane. Superman um, doesn't have that. Going back to uh, what you said about Marvel releasing the Doctor Strange images. Um, mm-hmm. Something else was released this morning that uh, I kind of mentioned to you guys, but I haven't said it. The uh, title for the uh, Spider-Man movie is a uh, Spider-Man. It's Home- rumored. Uh, it, it's rumored, yeah. So this yeah. isn't guaranteed. But the rumored title for the Spider-Man movie is Spider-Man: Homecoming. The rumored plot is just gonna be about Peter Parker and uh, Mary Jane at a homecoming dance, and there's awkward sexual. Teen sexual tension, and uh, they go back to the hotel, and they're gonna show it. And so the oh audience, I'm hoping the audience is uh this movie's gonna be heralded as the most uh, uncomfortable uh, Marvel film there is. And uh, when you leave the theater, you're supposed to wonder, like, oh man, am I on a list now? Because those kids were underage, like definitely. Like that's what the <laughs> that's at least that's the rumors. That's the rumors. 
Well, from what I saw, I know that <laughs> socks are a little different, but uh, I thought it was interesting because uh, the like it was probably the same article you were looking at, Brad. But um, like they were talking about how like homecoming was also the title of the uh, issue 252, which was when like the black suit kind of first comes out. So yeah. it's kind of speculating on maybe if they wanted to like kind of try to retell that story or like try to incorporate that more, which I think would be pretty cool to see them do. Yeah, and then I know there's like a Venom movie that's like supposedly in production with Sony, but I don't know if that's like actually going to happen or anything now, but I don't think so. I, I think, think the, most, uh, the most interesting thing about the rumored name is that it seems like, a, like Spider-Man's already an established character. Which is, which is really, great. Which is great because we've seen the origin story 40 fucking times. Same as Batman. Yeah. Like, that's what they did in BBS. But, um, but yeah, it would be great to have a Spider-Man movie where we don't see Peter Parker at the place getting bit by a spider. Oh, no, he's shooting webcam out all over his room. I think it would just be great if we just had, like, a mo- if we just had a movie that was, like, just Spider-Man being Spider-Man already. Well, yeah. I remember when when they announced these two the directors that are doing the new standalone Spider-Man, they said something that really sort of got my attention, which is they really liked the idea of focusing on him as Peter Parker. And they said, Spider-Man should be almost like a John Hughes movie when dealing with Peter Parker's like everyday life. And hmm. that really got my attention because that's sort of the way I've always viewed it. It should be sort yeah. of that teen angsty, weird, uncomfortable high school vibe that's you know sort of like pretty in pink or a breakfast club yeah i think that'd be cool like, give it kind of like that like old school feel to it does michelle as like a mem- as a cast member name mean anything to anybody because that's who they cast zendaya as but i don't know, I don't who, know. who she's, zendaya is. she's a disney is- channel star yeah i'm not a pedophile so i don't watch disney channel anymore she's my <laughs> is she i think she is i'm pretty sure she she's is what she's like 20 something oh i don't know but uh but yeah, I, I'm intrigued to see what they do with it. That would be really cool if they just kind of skip the whole origin story, though. I would like that. I'm I'm pretty sure that I I could be completely wrong, but I could have sworn Marvel had even stated that they're kind of done with origin story. That they're just gonna You're right. they're gonna bring in people and like people are already aware that of the character of most of the characters that are coming in now, and mm-hmm. so Spider Man almost 100 percent will not have an origin story in this next movie. That, that makes sense because they Anthony and Joe Russo said that in Infinity War they're going to introduce like sixty seven new characters. I just hope we get to see the Duke of Oil. <laughs> I hope it's not like there. I hope there's not like a sixty seven minute montage of all these different characters getting their superpowers. So that would be stupid. It's like new character encountered, <laughs> like in Super Smash Bros. No, this a new is- hero approaches. Yeah, exactly. This is exactly what it'll be. It'll be someone follows Peter Parker back to his house. And he goes on YouTube, and he's like, oh, check this video, this superhero out. And he types in on YouTube, and we're going to see all the new Marvel characters introduced in YouTube videos. And they're going to have we're all their logos, like, on it. the YouTube thing, and it's just going to be just this file of <laughs> new superheroes. They're going to have their logo as their YouTube channel. They're yeah. not going to search on YouTube. They're going to search on Bing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we made the So... One of the things we want to talk about uh, came out kind of recently was uh, Daredevil season two. I liked it. What's a Daredevil? Keith, also known as the Devil Hell's Kitchen. Maybe. You oh, that out. one. Okay. Yeah, that that one. Do you guys want to um, know what my favorite part of Daredevil season two was? No. It was every time they say this city. They, do they say this city a lot? Oh my god! 
Go back and watch and start counting how many times they say this city. If I you take a see, shot every time they say it, will I die? You will die before like the second episode. <laughs> awesome. They say, I think the first, either this city or every time they mention by name Hell's Kitchen, yeah. you'll die. I so I'm not from New York, and I looked up on a map Hell's Kitchen, and it's like seven blocks. Yeah, it's not a big it's area. Tiny. It's like between like forty second and. Why 40th. are these people committing all their crime just in Hell's Kitchen? Like, why is like Daredevil only patrolling that area? Brad, have you never heard the phrase uh, "think globally, act locally"? <laughs> is that is that how the criminals think in in New York? They <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All right, that explains. Thanks, thanks for that. Moving on from Daredevil season two. <laughs> now, um, one of the things that I think I mentioned it to Keith after we finished it. We've honestly never talked before right now. Well, like right after we finished it because we watched it together. I think I mentioned it. Oh, but I'm okay. really kind of disappointed that they uh didn't uh they didn't introduce bullseye in the first season because in the yeah. comics before like issue 181 spoilers for daredevil season two and issue 181 from like 1984 fucking bullseye kills electra with her with her own sigh before that bullseye was just like a b-level villain to daredevil and he didn't really do anything it was always just daredevil like kicking the shit out of him and if they introduced him in season one like as a hen- like a henchman of uh kingpin that would have worked out like really well and then, like, in season two, if he had been the one that killed Elektra, like, in the comics, that would have, like, made him be, like, the next level. Like, that would have brought him up to, like, A-League, to Daredevil's rival that he is, like, today, essentially. It would have been... It's funny that you uh, say that, because Matt, when we were watching it, like, freaked out for, like, a split second, thinking that Nobu was Bullseye when you see him. That's what I... Yeah, yeah but I thought the same when he was stabbing him. But there was a part where, like, I think, like, Daredevil was in, like, that tomb or whatever, and someone threw something at him. And the guy like yeah. is wearing a mask. I was like, is this fucking bullseye? Yeah. Can I ask you guys a serious like this is legit a question. I'm not saying this is sound like a smart ass because I think I may have missed something. I liked the season overall, but there were some weird plot points and stuff that I didn't really get. What yeah. was the giant hole for? What hole? Oh, in the building? Yeah, the giant ass hole oh, yeah. they find no, out. What the hell for? I don't I don't really know if they explained Wait, it super that's, well. Which hole? Refresh. Yeah, it's like a forty-story hole. There's that whole little bit where he throws something in, and she's like, "Did it hit yet?" No. Oh. When they were, when I think it was. What was that? When for? they were just a big hole. I, I'm trying to ah. explain it in my head. When they knew Daredevil and Electro were on to them, and they knew that Daredevil and Electro knew about like their shipping or whatever, they took all that dirt and sand and stuff out and put it in the train cars and shipped that. I don't know why. It was meant as like a distraction or something like that. Oh, that's a that very is, elaborate red herring. Is that what the hole was for? That's it was just I, the dirt that they took out. <laughs> There's yeah. no way there were 40 stories worth of dirt in one train. No, it was a, also why were they defending it with all those ninjas if it was? Well, just it was, an, it was, it was a really ambush. elaborate red herring. That's the most yeah. elaborate, ridiculous thing ever. If that's really <laughs> the explanation. Is it more elaborate than framing a senator with a jar of piss? Let's not go there, man. I'll just go off on a rant. I don't know if I 100% agree, but some people are saying, like, they thought, like, the second half of the season with, like, the ninja stuff almost was, like, too supernatural and, like, too kind of different from, like, the first season and, like, the first half with all the Punisher stuff where it got very, like, the ninjas and all the stuff like that. Like, did you guys think that that worked pretty well or, like... I don't think it was supernatural enough because in the comics, the foot ninjas, they, like... Vanish. Yeah, yeah. The foot ninjas. Yeah, the hand. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, but the hand, they vanish in like a flame because they're mystical. Mm. 
I, I don't think I, it went far enough to be mystical. And I didn't have a problem with it in concept. My problem was the transition felt really clunky because it did go from yeah. yeah, it went from very grounded. The stuff with the Punisher in the first half was amazing and so, yeah, so good. I mean, to suddenly shift from very grounded, very gritty and real to ninjas with healing powers and all like it just the transition because I mean, you could almost have divided this season up into half, and it's exactly, like yeah. it's two. It, it's almost two different shows. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, yeah. you know, it's, I didn't have a problem with it because, like Brad said, it gets way like weirder and more out there in the comics, but mm-hmm. it just. It was such a weird transition to yeah. go from the Punisher stuff, which John Barenthal is the Punisher. There are a ton of directions that the third season can go. I want to kind of go back to the Bullseye fan again because I'm still hung up about it. <laughs> In the Bendis stuff, uh, there's a part where Daredevil just gets sick of like Bullseye always like messing with his life. And he holds him down and carves up the Bullseye onto his skull with a rock. And <laughs> It's awesome. It's like such a weird, like kind of terrifying, creepy uh, moment. I feel like that would be really cool on the show, but I feel like it wouldn't have the same effect. No, here's what they're going to do on the show. If they ever bring in Bullseye, I can guarantee you right now, there will be an episode that adapts the Russian roulette story. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Comic of all time. That it's, is one of the most well-written comics ever. Before Frank Miller went cuckoo nuts. Yeah. <laughs> The framing of that story and the the ending is one of the greatest like psychological mind games a superhero has ever played on anyone. And if you've Re- never read it, I'm not going to say what happens. That's how good this comic uh, is. I was about to say, like, I haven't read like the last like few issues, which I, I just got that they reprinted like a hardcover version of all the Frank Miller stuff. So I have to finish it and read that soon. Yeah, read that because Russian roulette's just it's essentially uh, Bullseye's hospitalized and Daredevil sitting next to him playing Russian roulette and just recounting all of the like just like past things that happened between them. Like Daredevil's like, I should just I should not even turns, too. He's not just like spin in the barrel and then put it to bullseye's head he's putting it to his own head too which is what makes it even better yeah it's yeah. it's pretty it's awesome but yeah like like i was saying there are a ton of different directions they can go like for the third season two of which being when matt murdoch goes to prison to confront uh the kingpin and he punches him like later mm-hmm. on in this in the season like kingpin like reaches for like his bloody lip and he's like get me all the files on matt murdoch it, essentially in the comics a big portion was matt murdoch is outed as daredevil uh yeah. i think that that might happen in the next season and following that, he goes to prison for being a vigilante and gets disbarred. Another another thing is he becomes the leader of the the hand. So I think any of those directions or any of those stories could be adapted for the next season, which, and all of them would be really really cool because like, the modern Daredevil stuff that happened in like the mid two thousands was was really really interesting. Yeah, especially Devil Inside and Out when he goes to prison. Yeah, uh, and I think the the reason I would lean more towards that is because the biggest characters in that series have all basically been established in sort of the mm-hmm. Netflix Marvel universe. Cause it's really yeah. Daredevil Punisher. And you know, we're getting Iron Fist who's also a big part of that story. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I'm really excited for Iron Fist. Like, yeah, and just that, oh, that comic's so good. And also because it's Netflix, they could do a crossover with Orange is the New Black because it's all in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Where we'll Daredevil has to trick Piper into, into thinking that he's a woman and he has to get, there and get out. Yeah, that'd be good. He's got the long blonde locks, right? Yeah. Um, so I like what I wanted to say is I think – I don't know if they had thought of this or not, but um, the idea that it wasn't that the the hand wasn't as mystical as they could have been—they're probably saving a lot of that mysticism for Iron Fist. Um, That's cool, kind yeah. of bring that in, and then 
then you'll have the mysticism within the TV universe, and then obviously Doctor Strange with the movie, cinematic cool. universe. It's going to happen at the same time. Moving forward, we've talked a little bit about Civil War. Essentially, what I'm thinking the plot is going to be is like there, there are parts of trailers that are showing like a like a UN type building be, like get blown up, and you see it doesn't really say who it is, but it's it's the Black Panther. He's like on the ground, like. In the comics, um, this guy in Africa kills Black Panther's father, so he goes on like a mission to meet the Avengers to like help avenge him. What I'm thinking is that the UN that explodes is pinned on the Winter Soldier, and yeah. that's why we see Black Panther chasing him down and trying to bring him to justice. And that's why he's siding with Iron Man. Yeah, but- pretty much. I mean, that's I have a feeling it's exactly what you just said. Where there's going to be, you know, maybe because another person who's in this movie that we've seen nothing of is Baron Zemo. Yeah. He's in this movie and there's no marketing whatsoever. So I got to imagine he's going to have some kind of involvement in whatever this assassination attempt is. Yeah, it's going to have a huge impact. Yeah, I think that's definitely what the plot's going to start out with. In a lot of uh, comics and like the Marvel Avengers Assemble uh, cartoon show, which is also really awesome, he leads the Masters of Evil, which is like the anti-Avengers, essentially. I hope they sort of introduce that into the movies. I think that'd be really cool. Can they do that in the movies, though? Do what? The Masters of Evil. Who was on that? Who was on their roster? It's always like a changing roster. It's like the Enchantress from uh, yeah. Asgard, who we haven't seen yet. I'm hoping she's in Ragnarok. Tim, uh, Enchantress, and uh, what's his name? The Executioner or something like that. He's like a, a big, burly sort of Executioner yeah. type Asgardian guy. It's all mostly people that they own the rights to. That's it's kind of like secondary uh, sort of characters. I think Modok is on it a couple times. Red Skull. One other character I think is going to be interesting in some war that hasn't been touched on too much is Crossbones too, because I know they said that he's supposed to be part of what incites the war. So I yeah. don't really know too much about his character, but I think like he's going to be another aspect that like that's one character that they're saving from showing in the trailers. I think for like when the movie comes out, it's going to really be like a different aspect that wasn't really shown as much yet. So I think that could be a pretty cool experience, like going to the theater and seeing all that stuff happen. Because from what I can tell, they didn't touch on it a ton yet. Yeah, in the comics, he works for uh, Red Skull and uh, like Hugo Weaving, the actor that played Red Skull in the first Avenger. He was like mm-hmm. saying that he didn't want to come back to do it because he didn't really like it. Um, so yeah. I think that's why they're introducing Baron Zemo as a new sort of like head honcho of Hydra. So coming out like about the same time as Civil War uh, in the comics sort of side is Civil War Two. All the teams are like different. I guess I think Steve Rogers is on Tony Stark's mm-hmm. side this time. Yeah. yeah. And Sam Wilson is the uh, like the leader of the opposing force. I'm not sure like. she's like a main part yeah i think she's actually the leader of like the opposing force uh, opposing iron man at least but i'm not they haven't really said much of like plot wise um they released like some character images brian michael bendis who's going to be writing it is he released a i think a cover to issue four or something and it's like the hulk like destroying everyone which i'm really excited for because all i want in comics is just to see the hulk rip everyone apart i was looking up a little bit about the plot like this is just like wikipedia so i don't know if it's like 100 percent true but i was looking up what it was about and it sounded like the main like thing that divides them is that there's some kind of character or some part of the story that talks about how there's this person who can like predict crimes being committed or like what's going to happen in the future. So I think what the um, dichotomy between them is, is that I can't remember who's on whose side, but I think Iron Man is the side that says we shouldn't punish anyone until they've done like what this thing or person is predicting. Yeah. And then Carol Danvers side is basically saying like, well, if we know these people are going to do it, then we should kind of like do something to prevent it now before it happens so basically it's the movie minority report with tom cruise yeah or the winter soldier <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's, i mean 
what they're doing now is a story called it's between all the different avengers team called uh standoff it's about essentially uh maria hill she's a director of shield she was using the cosmic cube to change the world in minor ways like kind of prevent things and people are like you can't just change reality that's fucked up and like the cosmic cube split into a bunch of pieces and, like one of the pieces turned into a little girl or something mm-hmm. so they essentially are using this little girl in this place to build a new prison and in the okay. prison they're using her to alter people's memories, like vil- super villains and stuff. And it turned them into like 1950s sort of like small town type people with like an ice cream shop and like all kinds of stuff. So they're like, they're changing all these villains uh, thoughts into thinking that they're just like random average Joe. And that sort of like spirals out of control. And it seems like a lot of characters really oppose that sort of a, uh, that sort of thing. Like in the Captain America comic going out now, she got in trouble for using the cosmic cube to like change things. Like that was like leaked by a character. So I think that might be like the character or like the event that incites Civil War to is like yeah. whether or not her like uh her being able to predict people committing crimes should be used. That makes sense. Yeah. I know the thing I read you said that a lot of it's gonna be preview stuff in I think Invincible Iron Man, which is also being done by the same creative team that's doing Civil War Two. So I don't know if that's happened yet because I'm not reading it, but I know that that's kind of gonna like kind of. Ben so writing it. Yeah. But yeah, you should definitely read that. Uh, it's awesome. But very good. Uh, I know Phil Noto is doing the covers. I'm a huge fan of his. Oh, yeah. He does a lot of good stuff. I met him at C2E2. Who's a nice guy. Someone. I uh, wanted to, but I didn't. Someone <laughs> laid an enormous fart as you walked by Phil Noto's booth. Poor guy. It's the, oh, the, the, the camouflage guy. It was the yeah, camouflage guy. So when we were at C2E2, we were in the artist alley where, where all the artists sit, obviously. And Phil Noto was at the very end. He was in aisle A. And I just got stuff signed by him, a few covers that he did. And we walked away, like maybe like five feet away. And I was putting the covers away in my backpack. And this guy, like this kind of like bigger guy, like in camouflage pants and just like a black shirt, just walked by and crop dusted the hell out of the area. Like there, we were all standing, kind of like it hit us in a wave. It was yeah, like it hit us in a wave. It hit the furthest person from. We started the looking at each first. other, and you could see the looks on people's faces as like <laughs> as they smelled it, and like it was moving through us. It was like someone shoved a rotten egg inside their butthole, and it had sat there for a month, and then he let it out. <laughs> It was the worst smell I'd ever experienced. And, like, I audibly, like, oh, God. Like, I couldn't resist just, like, uh, coughing was... about it. And poor Phil Noto was, like, sitting there, like, what's going on? I'm like, somebody cropped us the hell out of this area. It wasn't just a crop dusting. It was, like, it was, it was, like carpet bombing. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> Speaking of uh, getting back on topic, you just brought yeah. up, Mar- <laughs> you know, Marvel's doing their Civil War two, And around that same time, DC Comics is launching their whole rebirth event. I want you to tell me about that. How is that different from Multiversity that they did last year? Like a year ago, they did like a re... Well, they essentially they did, did a rebirth of everything. Are they yeah, they're they doing it again? That. Well, they did Convergence a couple, like a year ago, which failed miserably and no one really liked it. Um, and then five years ago was when... It's been five years since they did the New 52. I mean, I understood why. And if you're not familiar, New 52 is when DC hit reset on every single comic, set everything back to issue one. And basically, depending on popularity your continuity was either mildly affected or completely erased. So, like, Batman, not really affected too much, but, you know, Wally West, other characters like The Flash, completely gone. And fans weren't really happy with all of it, and DC had this policy where if a comic's sales started slipping, they would either cancel it or completely overhaul it and do something different with the characters. They sort of were only thinking in short term, and... That's kind of been their policy for the last few years. And finally, DC's like, we need to really figure our stuff out. And they're very keen on letting everyone know this isn't 
a reboot. They're not yeah. resetting anything. It sounds more like what's happening is there's going to be a multi-comic event because there's this one shot called Rebirth and then a bunch of other one shots across their bigger titles with the Rebirth subtitle that's going to kind of shift things around a little bit and they're kind of cherry picking what stuff from New 52 they want to keep, what stuff they don't. Okay. And so I know like one of the big deals is detective comics and I think action comics are going, going back to the original numbers. Yeah, yeah they're going back. back to the original numbers. So detective comics will be at almost issue 600. I think they were be at almost like a thousand. Yeah, it was at like 900 something. Or no, sorry. I'm, I think I'm thinking of a different comic. But yeah, it's, it's like 968. But they're shifting around all the creative teams and they're creating some new titles. Which is, you know, it remains to be seen if this will work or not, because I know one of the biggest changes is New 52 Superman, as of right now, is gone. They're going back to pre-New 52, sort of the classic Superman in terms of his character and how he looks. Reader for DC, because I'm not going to read Batgirl anymore. (laughs) You're not going to read what? Batgirl anymore, because Babs isn't doing the art, and that was really the only reason I was even reading that one. So, Mm -hmm. but she's, I guess, doing something else. But I don't yeah. know. It depends. I don't on remember what Snyder's doing. Do. The things that I was most excited for with Rebirth are Scott Snyder is moving on to a different Batman series yeah. called All Star Batman. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean Scott Snyder's Batman run has been incredible. There's been not one bad story, and they just wrapped up his final story arc with him and Greg Capullo, which their stuff was so amazing. They tried all these weird. I mean, they just did an entire storyline where Bruce Wayne was not Batman. Yeah, and it, it it was incredible. But I think it's cool about the All Star Batman. From what I've read, it's just going to be each story arc is like about a different villain, and then each villain is like kind of tailored to the specific artist. So I think that's going to be really cool to have like John Romita Jr. is doing a Two Face arc, I know, and then like Jock and Francisco Francavilla are going to be in it, which are like two of my favorite artists for sure. So I'm definitely going to like sign on for that one, at least for like a handful of issues and see how it's working. One of the like the problems they had with convergence for those that don't know i used to work in a comic book store but last year i was working in the shop when convergence was coming out and all like the veteran people that were that were working there were not reading any convergence titles because they didn't have any creators that any of us knew like there was like one person writing a, a series that we knew and like one person doing art but they were all just like no name people that like nobody really cared about which well, you want to know why they did that was that it's because at the time, DC Comics was laying down an incredible, and this is, I well, yeah, that's be, what they say. I'm right now, I could be wrong, but I think what the problem was, they had these really, really strict deadlines, and you had all the established talent working on their main titles, and they couldn't suddenly take on an entire another book. And so it sort of fell by the wayside to some of the more unknown artists and writers, and it kind of, you know, DC wanted to do this huge event, but they weren't willing to invest the time necessary yeah. to get the proper talent. And it just was this kind of weird mishmash. I mean, there was one of the Convergence titles I read was a Batman one, and it combined, I think it was pre-New 52 Batman and the Flashpoint Paradox Batman, which, if you don't know, is Thomas Wayne, not Bruce yeah, Wayne. And, yeah, there was a comic where Bruce Wayne met his father, who's an alternate universe Batman, which should have been an incredible moment. It's like, oh my god you're my dad, and you also, for some reason, became Batman. And it was just this, like, horribly done mishmash and just this huge missed opportunity. And I think that may have been something of a wake-up call for DC, that if they want to do these big, world-changing events, they need to invest the time into it. And I mean, that's... uh, Yeah, it was only a month long. It was only... Each series was Convergence, blah, 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 number one, Convergence, blah, 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 number two. And then it was just, like, main Convergence one. I think they had, like, eight... 
I mean, like, I two came out a week or something really, like that. Really. Two came out a week, like zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like zero and one came out the first week. It didn't make any sense. It was no. stupid. But one of the things that I was like hearing, it, granted, it was from my coworker who is like a huge DC fan. She's pretty biased. Is the excuse for this because they also canceled ongoing titles for that month. Like they only put out the convergence yeah. titles. Yeah. The excuse for it was that DC was moving from New York to, are they in LA now? They're in Burbank the excuse, now, yeah. They're in Burbank. The excuse was that they were moving. So that's why they did that to still have books coming out. But it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, I, don't, I don't, I mean, and you know that I'm a bigger DC fan than Marvel. And even I don't believe that. I think yeah. it was, they were really trying to do something bigger because people were getting really upset with how they were handling New 52. And I can understand that. Like being a Batman fan, New 52 interrupted my regular comics very little just because their Batman titles they sort of left alone but I looked at other titles I was reading another title I was a big fan of was Red Hood and the Outlaws yeah what started out as it was kind of this cool I read it at the start and it was okay at the start it was really good they had this cool idea of making it sort of street level crime stuff but within 10 issues suddenly they were in it's outer space and it just it was, it was so weird. thematically all over the place and it's like they didn't know whether this comic should be sort of lighthearted and snarky or dark and gritty and real yeah. or goofy inside. Like, they just had no idea where it to It was go. everything in it. For those of you that don't know, it was Red Hood, Arsenal, and Starfire. And uh, one of the weird bits, the like, in the first oh. the first issue, she just, like, fucked everyone. Like, <laughs> I don't understand what they were thinking, but, like, she literally had sex with Red Hood and Arsenal and probably yeah, Arsenal, a yeah. slew of other people. Like, I don't well, understand it, what they were thinking. It was really weird and really upsetting because Starfire is a cool character. Yeah. Which, if you know, Starfire is this alien princess who, unlike Superman, she comes to Earth when she's already older. So she is sort of very alien in how she acts and sort of out yeah. there. But she's, you know, she's this really cool, like, space Wonder Woman almost. And for some reason, when they did Red Hood and the Outlaws, they just turned her into this sort of background character skank who <laughs> i mean and it, it's really upsetting because starfire is not that yeah. she's not like they turned her in like a sex object and it was really really upsetting it was only when they did the whole outer space arc where they go back to her home planet and become sort of like star warsy where yeah. she became a competent character i mean it was just so and they gave her amnesia at the beginning, so she didn't remember her relationship with Dick Grayson, who was the first Robin. Which, if you know, Red Hood is Jason Todd. He was the second Robin who died and was resurrected. But they wow. gave her amnesia and made her like a nymphomaniac. And it was just the most bizarre, upsetting thing. The best the best part of that is that you pronounce nymphomaniac, like nymphomaniac, like an old curmudgeonly man. Goddamn nymphomaniac. She doesn't have that. I mean, <laughs> That's I the theme of Bob. I say some words not good at times. I don't One of the last things I want to touch on about Rebirth is um, the writer Joshua Williamson is going to be doing Flash. He does uh, Nailbiter and Birthright for Image right now, which are two of my favorite series, and he's doing the Illuminati, which is also cool. So similar to that, like Marvel, after Secret Wars, and they kind of relaunched everything with number ones, they did a really good job of like bringing in young talent from like the independent mm -hmm. scene. Like, there's a lot of young writers moving over to Marvel now, which is cool because, like, when Saga blew up a few years ago, people were worried that all of, like, the, the veteran writers were going to move over and have their own thing so they can make their own money. But it's cool that it seems like Marvel and now DC are offering, like, good wages to get more, like, more talent essentially writing the books. Mm -hmm. I want to retake a look at the creative teams for Rebirth because I'm seeing a lot of names I recognize. Yeah, I, say, I thought they had a pretty good spread of, like, reasonably well-known people, at least on some of them. 
also relook at it. Like I looked at something that I saw on Twitter, and I I saw like a couple titles that I knew. Maybe it was just because some like secondary titles or something. But there were only I mean, a few people that I. Well, one of the big ones I'm excited about is Action Comics is bringing back Dan Jurgens, who was the biggest Superman writer in the '90s. Did he write Death of Superman? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he. Yeah, he did. Death. Bring back the Superman. Wrote Death of Superman, didn't he? Yeah. Wait, who wrote Death of Superman? Was it Roger Stern? I think Jurgens did part of that run. Yeah, no, he Jurgens did Death of Superman. Okay. Howard Stern's a radio host, Matt. I said Roger Stern. <laughs> Transitioning from Rebirth and to talk about the one bright spot in DC Entertainment outside of the comics, they released this sort of promo for the animated version of Killing Joke. Oh yeah. Awesome. Which it says a lot that DC's animated films are better than their live action films. <laughs> And Killing Joke, if you don't know, was this seminal Batman story from the 80s that Alan Moore wrote. And it was basically about the Joker trying to drive Commissioner Gordon insane with this belief that everyone is one bad day away from being just like him. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's this phenomenal comic, which it was originally written as an Elseworlds comic, which is DC's term for anything outside of their normal continuity. But it was so good, it was kind of retrofitted to be a main continuity Batman story. And yeah. Barbara Gordon spent 20-something years in a wheelchair. And the and art so, is amazing. Yeah, Brian Boland did the art, and it's some of the most gorgeous Batman artwork ever in a comic. Yeah, it's great. And it's it seems like they're sort of doing a more streamlined version, because, I mean, his artwork, if you were to do it in animation, it would be like the budget of a Pixar film. Did you, be did you see the um, making up thing for that? There was like I, a 10 minute threat thing. It was pretty cool how they were talking about how they kind of adapted Ballin's art to like, who was the guy in between like Nolan or something? And then. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name, but they, they talk about yeah. it. Um, yeah, they, they kind of talked about the pr progression from like Ballin's like hyper realistic style to trying to get it more like to like the Bruce Tim kind of inspired style a little bit, like just so it was easier to animate. Cause like the other guy was saying like how they wanted to do the story for so long, but it never seemed like the timing was right or like it would be too hard to do or something like that. Like, hmm. And the, the biggest, most exciting thing is that it's Kevin Conroy's Batman and mm -hmm. Mark Hamill, the Joker. Yeah. I mean, especially because, you know, if you look back at that comic, it's got some of the best sort of Joker lines ever. And to have anyone other than Mark Hamill play that, it would just turn into this kind of giant what if. You know, mm -hmm. what if they just let Mark Hamill do this instead of... I mean, there have been a couple other good Joker voices over the years, particularly in the DC animated Red Hood movie where John DiMaggio, mm -hmm. who was Bender on Futurama, was the Joker. He was pretty good, but then when they did Young Justice, they had Brent Spiner as the Joker, who played Data on Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> And that's all, I, that's all I could hear, even while he's doing the crazy laugh and stuff. I'm like, oh, it's, it's Data from Star Trek. But uh, Mark Hamill just has the greatest Joker voice. Speaking of the Joker, um, it came out la late last week that uh, they're going to be doing reshoots for Suicide Squad. Yeah. To make it funnier, I guess, was the reasoning. This is either going to be really good or really bad. There's going to be no middle ground with these reshoots. Yeah. Well... <sighs> I don't know if Chris is going to be able to get in this one, but I'm going to mention him again because he was one of the people that I know in the fall. It was like, this movie is going to be the best thing ever. It had like the Bohemian Rhapsody song and it, and it looked like a fun like romp. Like it was Guardians of the Galaxy style trailer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that was like so, so different from the first trailer, which got pretty negative reviews. I'm wondering 
how much the movie, what trailer essentially the movie is gonna be reminiscent of. Like, I think it's gonna be like neither now. Are the reshoots a rumor or is it official? No, no, really, they are reshoots. Yeah, no, well, they are doing. In that case, I mean, you look at another movie that just came out, Cloverfield Lane, and how true that was reshot uh, mm-hmm. pretty early on. Uh, probably yeah. a lot, probably a lot earlier on than Suicide well, Squad. But I, I was just gonna say that because of that movie, I have some shred of hope that it could be a good thing. But I mean, movie, movies do reshoots all the time. Like, there's this weird belief in fandom that when they hear something's doing a reshoot, that means it's a mess, and it, which isn't necessarily true at all. But the timing of this is what's really suspect because yeah, it doesn't come out in August. Well, it comes out in August, and Batman and Superman just came out. And yeah. it was torn apart because, among many, many, many other flaws, it was just so fucking dour and depressing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the one ray of light of all this is apparently Warner Brothers is slightly listening. Because if yeah. they hear all these critics saying, oh, well, Batman vs. Superman is the most depressing movie since Schindler's List. <laughs> I I feel like DC has been listening, but they're just not taking the advice the way that it could be beneficial because like before they tried to do a comedic like they had they tried to have humor in their movies and it bombed and they were like oh maybe we should just not do humor in movies and then that bombed and then now they're just like oh maybe we should try humor again like (laughs) it's they're afraid of they're afraid of just doing what marvel did now i think when they did green lantern which i assume is what you're talking about when they tried humor yeah when they did green lantern it wasn't the humor that made that movie bad. It was a ton of choice. Like, it's one of those times where it seems like every choice they made creatively was kind of in the wrong direction. Yeah. And so that initially scares them off of humor. And then they see Marvel is doing humor in their movies really big. And DC has to be, you know, we're, we're not going to do that. Our, our movies aren't going to be funny. We're going to do serious. And then you do a serious movie and it sucks. <laughs> and so now they're they're kind of in this weird position where they're not willing to go to sort of the Marvel extent of having it just be a fun, lighthearted movie, but they realize they need some sort of comedic relief because these movies are just, yeah. you know, I'm hearing people say that they're taking their kids out of Batman versus Superman because it's too dark and scary. Like reviewers are saying that left and right, like kids are crying and have to be taken out of the. <laughs> That bad coming out of the grave was pretty damn terrifying. And there was a little kid sitting next to me and he looked at his dad and he just went, what was that? Well, I mean, and the movie starts with the brutal murders of Thomas and Martha <laughs> Wayne, again, which, which also like, by the way, it was beautifully shot. The, the, the shots, awesome. they were nice. One of the things that I've, I've heard people complain about Zack Snyder is that he can fucking frame movies very, very well. He has like a really good eye to detail. He should be a cinematographer, not a director. That was what I almost was saying when me and Sam were talking about Batman vs. Superman. There were parts of me that was like, you could tell he was almost trying to make it this like film kind of thing, you know, where it was like beyond a superhero movie at times with like the cinematography and like even like the opening titles. Like It was really it was very, just in the beginning. Yeah, and then like the rest the opening, of it wasn't like that at all. The opening all. titles had this very, like, like just the, the simple type treatment. Like, it wasn't very big. It, there was no explosion that came in being like, this is Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. It was, like, just kind of, like, somberly, like, faded in during the procession, which I thought was, like, for me, that, like, set off the movie in a good tone, but it didn't I also really... have to mention, because you brought up the credits. 
the one good thing in Batman versus Superman. And this is kind of a small thing, but I don't know if anyone else caught this, but that was the first time there have been two names credited with creating Batman. Oh, yeah. For the first time in 75 years, DC Comics is giving Bill Finger credit for helping create Batman, which, long story short, without Bill Finger, Batman would not look like Batman. He probably wouldn't even exist. He's just, I mean, Bill Finger is to Bob Kane what Jack Kirby was to Stan Lee when it comes to Batman. Yeah. But I'm just, you know, as a huge Batman fan, it's nice to see him finally get credit. Oh, yeah. And then one other thing about Batman that I thought was interesting was after me and Sam walked out of it, there was a lady who was asking if we could do a survey. We didn't fit, like, the demographic, but I was kind of thinking, like, I was wondering if the DC was doing that or what company was kind of responsible because maybe DC is listening and being like, well, these reviews are really bad, but maybe it's just the critics, so we want to see, like, what the common movie viewer thinks. So, like, I don't know who was doing the study, but I thought it was interesting, like, like after I got out of the movie, I like wasn't really surprised that someone was asking for, like, what did you think? Because we've heard a lot of shit about this movie, kind of. It could have been the theaters, too, because I know the theaters lost a lot of money That's true, from all also, of yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. From people not going to see the movie after putting all this money into marketing it and then well, getting the money back. Well, it's interesting because there's this subcult, I mean, not subcult, but there's this group of fans that are cropping up. And it's these really militant apologist fans who are vehement that this is a good movie. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're and wrong. It, You're stupid. Well, it's, it's not even that they're wrong. It's, for you. it's like I said in... My blog post touches on this. People are protective of movies that they like. Yeah. And one thing to say you like a movie, there's nothing. Art is purely objective. Movies, even if it's a business, even if it's a big blockbuster, there's it's still an art form. And so that means everyone is entitled to an opinion. So if you like mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman, that's fine. It does. You know, I'm not going to judge you because it's objective. I like Godzilla movies. You know. You're but I mean, they're. I'm not going to stand here and say that you could put Godzilla up against the Godfather. Like, you just don't do that. <laughs> Godzilla father. <laughs> but, but, like, people seem to have forgotten there's a difference between a movie being good and liking a movie. There's a huge difference there. And these fans are so vehement that, they, you know, they, they feel they need to defend it because they like it. And the way to defend it is by telling people, you just don't get it. This is a good movie that's too smart for you. Yeah. No, just... You can Thank like you it. for finally talking about it because this kid right here, Mr. Matt, always argues with me about Mr. things Matt. being good when it's just he likes them. We had this huge fight over Chronicle, which I know you guys all like that movie, but that's a whole other thing. But. Well, hold on. Chronicle is a good movie. Good movie. If you don't like it, you're wrong. Mr. Matt? <laughs> Mr. Matt. Sam's no, Mr. Great. Matt likes Chronicle. Miss Sam does not like Chronicle. It's just because you don't like Max Landis. That sounds like a mistake. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh. I don't but know again, Max Landis either. But anyways. Okay, everyone's <laughs> freaking out about it because they feel like they feel like everybody feels like they have to have an opinion about it too, which is interesting. I mean, we have an opinion about it, but it just feels like people <laughs> who haven't seen it. Is, like everyone has to weigh in on like whether or not it was good, even if they did enjoy it. They're like, oh well, there were some things I guess I didn't like about it. Well, because it's a movie that has the most unrealistic of expectations built into it. Yeah. Batman and Superman are two of the they are the two biggest comic book characters. They're two of the biggest characters in fiction in the entire the, world. The marketing and the name alone built like, up this movie to like no extent. Like the marketing when they said like the biggest gladiator match in history, like it better fucking be like the biggest gladiator match in history. And and that's wasn't, wasn't. you know on one <laughs> hand that's a huge problem because that's not what a Batman and Superman movie should be. Number yeah. one and number well, I mean, two. 
a podcast I listened to, they, they, he said, uh, this guy said, it's the Big Bang Theory of comic book movies because it's just giving like a casual person that doesn't know anything about comics like you what who would win in a fight batman or superman's like let's just make a movie about that like if you read comics this is this is too like this is if your angry jock older brother made a batman and superman (laughs) that podcast was the weekly planet which is fucking awesome uh so check that out anyways this whole movie reeked of like Someone who doesn't really like Batman or Superman, and it's like your older brother who's like giving you his cool idea of Batman and Superman. Like, Batman fucking kills people, and he does crazy yeah. exercises in the Batman. And you're cave. just crying about it. Yeah, it's it's like, mom. It's your brother with your Batman and Superman action figures just banging them against each other for two and a half hours. It was- yeah, then Batman blows away a guy with his Batmobile, and then. Superman launches a guy through a wall and then he fucks Lois Lane in a bathtub. Yeah. Working in a comic shop, the worst thing that happens is like the, the drunk fucking, because I worked downtown Chicago. So we get the drunk tourists all the time. The drunk tourist bros, I know nothing, coming like, yo, who in a fight? Thor or Mrs. Thor? Like, Thor's not, Mrs. Thor isn't a character. Yeah, it is. Look <laughs> at Mrs. Thor, who he's married to. But like, it's people like that. This movie is it's just them. that. That's who, who this in a fight? For. Yeah. Like, this but, but, but when people actually ask like, who would win a fight, like my uh, assistant manager who's been working in in comic stores and comic and like the medium doing art for like forty years, always says oh. it doesn't matter. It just matters what the story says, like what the writer says. And like I love when he says that because you just see like a little sparkle in these people's eyes, just like die. <laughs> these, these characters are inherently not meant to meet up all the time. And the thing is. Comic book titles, certain books are completely different genres than other books. Yeah. And, you know, other people have touched on this before, but the tone of a Batman comic is completely different to the tone of a Superman comic or a Flash yeah. comic. And it's just like genres in movies, you know. Alien is a totally different genre than a, a Skyfall. You know, they're just completely different. And when you're trying to combine them, it's really hard to do successfully. And it's even harder to do it in a way that's going to satisfy everyone, yeah. especially when you have – there's this – I've noticed this weird trend that everything in comics and just movies in general, there's this weird trend of having all these characters fight each other. Season yeah. two of Daredevil – well, season two of Daredevil was billed as Punisher versus Daredevil. Batman versus mm-hmm. Superman. Civil War is being Captain America's team versus Iron Man's team. All this weird stuff where it's like we have to have all these characters fight each other. Yeah. I think they're all just, you know – they're all just appetizers until we get to the greatest versus movie that's not coming out for like another five years. What's that? They're doing Godzilla vs. King Kong again. Oh. <laughs> God damn it, Bob. <laughs> I know you're going to say that. <laughs> Is that going to be the greatest, though? Is it going to be the greatest? Well, it's going to be the greatest because I'm calling this right now, four years before this movie comes out, so you guys can say <laughs> you here. Godzilla and King Kong will be teaming up by the end of that movie. Bet me. Well, that's what always happens Kinda. in these versus things. It's yeah. so dumb. It's, it always, but they're going to do that with Godzilla and King Kong, and it's just going to be so fucking bonkers. It's going to be amazing. That's what happened in Freddy versus Jason, too. Uh, where, like, they make you think Jason killed Freddy, and then his eyes, like, like Wait, open at the end. That wasn't yeah, a team winked. up, though. They didn't team up, though. They killed each other. Alien versus Predator. No, they didn't team up, I, was, I was livid with Alien versus Predator when they just, like, became tag team buddies and just, like, they were, like, jumping with each other and stuff. I was... Or it wasn't it wasn't Alien and the Predator. It was the Predator. Yeah, I was so mad that that happened. 
Like, bad movie. It became a buddy buddy cop show, and I was just so angry at that. Now that I would watch, like a weekly series where it's a predator and like a hardened detective, <laughs> like an adult swim series, like solving crimes. Yeah, maybe call it Doc and the Predator. <laughs> to catch a predator with predator. I was gonna do a whole bit where I got into character, you just ruined it. I'm so glad I I ruined that. So glad. It was gonna be great. Sorry. And. In summation, DC needs to get their shit together because they don't know what's going on. And I love DC. I am a, I am more of a DC fan than Marvel. And it's just it's upsetting that they don't know what to do. DC seems really good at like admitting that they did wrong or like apologizing for things, but then they don't really like know what to do next. Like which is basically what they're doing in Rebirth, where like Jeff Johns is basically being like. Yeah, we know that New Fifty Two like didn't live up to everyone's expectations, blah blah blah. But then, like, is Rebirth gonna be like the same thing, or like, how are they gonna actually like write the ship? Yeah, DC right now is kind of like BP. Oh. Sorry about the oil spill, mm-hmm. but DC needs to be more like Domino's. Sorry, our pizza was garbage. We're making new garbage pizza. Yeah, yeah. Real quick, I want to have you guys as we sign off. You don't have to give reasons or anything. Just one um, comic series people should read, starting with Bob. Go. Uh, IDW's Ghostbusters International, which is an ongoing running right now. It's only an issue number three. Pick it up. Keith, go. Uh, Paper Girls, uh, because it's written by Brian K. Vaughn, and it's about a group of paper girls in the, was it 80s? 90s? 80s? Looks like 80s. Yeah, it's 80s. 80s, and they're like super badasses, and it's just cool art and stuff, and it's really good, and it it's really weird. All right. Matt, go uh spider-gwen i've been liking it so far this is kind of a different take on the marvel universe just kind of having everything it has a little bit of a different spin on it and robbie rodriguez is probably like one of my favorite artists right now so like a fresh new take on marvel cool sam revival okay by the trades so that you don't get confused because if you read the single issues you get really lost really fast so you have to buy the first two trades and read that through do that I'm going to suggest Totally Awesome Hulk. It's on issue four. It's a different character as Hulk. And he's it's working to fight. Totally awesome. mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's working to fight giant monsters and stuff. And it's totally awesome. All right. So this is, that's the end of the first Reviews to Astonish podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Facebook. Facebook.com slash Reviews to Astonish. Twitter at Reviews number two Astonish. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Have a good night. Bye. 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 Bye.